This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Jane Brown, Libby Snymer's away. Do you get enough sleep each night? Are you well rested? With this weekend's switch back to daylight saving time, you may find you're even more sleep deprived than usual. Today, I'll speak with a Toronto-based sleep expert, Dr. Adam Moscovich, about how to stay well-rested. Plus, miracles do happen. Almost a year ago, Reg Parker of Toronto went through life-saving surgery when he received a double lung and liver transplant at Toronto General Hospital. He joins me today in studio to talk about his experience and what he's doing to give back. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. This is a wonderful life. A husband and wife in New York State are celebrating 82 years of marriage. Duranor Veillard just turned 108. His wife, Jean, turns 105 in May. They've been married for every U.S. president, from Franklin Roosevelt to Barack Obama, 13 in all. A birthday party was held recently for Duranord at the home they live in with their daughter. The centenarian says he starts each day with push-ups, a cup of tea, oatmeal, and fresh fruit, and says the secret for living a long and healthy life is God. When you walk into a trendy new bar, you might expect to see inexperienced servers and a hip, youthful atmosphere. But when you walk into one watering hole in Barcelona, Spain, you can be sure your more mature tastes will be accommodated. Owner Kim Diaz had a vision when he was creating the bar called Entrepreneurs Diaz. He created an old-school 1950s atmosphere and decided to strictly hire waiters who are over 50. Diaz says he knew they would be fantastic because they have 20 or 30 years of experience and see the waiter's profession as a vocation and not a temporary job. 53-year-old Rafael is one of the waiters Diaz hired. He says it makes sense to employ people of his age who don't complain and are on the job to work, get along with people, get paid, and do a good job. Rafael says the clients notice this, the experience the servers have, and the good service they get as customers. Why do we instinctively cover our ears when we hear an ambulance or a jackhammer or some other loud noise? Researchers have discovered a pain receptor system in the ears and say it could be the reason why. Scientists at the Feinberg School of Medicine at Northwestern University in Chicago have found a neural pathway from the inner ear to the brain that may serve as the brain's auditory alarm system. This pathway is different from the neural pathway that carries sound to the brain. In studies on mice, the researchers found a set of neurons that are activated only by noxious or dangerous noise and not by normal levels of sound. The discovery may be relevant to people who suffer from tinnitus, which is currently not treatable by any medication and which affects millions of people, including most active-duty veterans. I'm Jane Brown, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world.
This is the weekend we spring forward. Clocks go ahead one hour as we return to daylight saving time, which can be added to the list of sleep stealers. According to a national poll, two-thirds of Ontarians say they don't get enough sleep on a regular basis. And nearly eight in ten say they find it hard to function when they don't get a good night's sleep. Dr. Adam Moscovich is a Toronto-based sleep expert and joins me on the line. Doctor, that same survey also says half of Ontarians find it takes a few days to get back on their sleep schedule after the daylight saving time change. That seems hard to believe since it's only an hour difference. Fundamentally, because we have a sleep-deprived society that in many ways is close to the point of bankruptcy already from the standpoint of sleep. We sleep about 20% less now than what we slept around the beginning of the century. And the number of individuals with sleep disorders is increasing significantly. So for a lot of those individuals, when they're already barely functioning from the sleep perspective, the one-hour change in the clock uh, results uh, essentially in significant problems. Accident rates on Canadian highways go up by about 7% following the change of the clock. An Australian study showed that suicide rates go up. So even that small change, we are paying quite a heavy price for it. Well, on this weekend, when the change actually takes place and we go back to daylight saving time, your best advice for all of us, since we're all experiencing the time change at once? Well, luckily for most individuals, the change is going to be taking only a few days. But some common sense guidelines before we get into anything uh, more medical is maintaining a regular routine as far as your sleep schedule, essentially going to bed about one hour earlier before the change of the clock so you are not uh, losing that hour of sleep, working on relaxation before bedtime as a routine is important, wrapping up your degree of physical activity to at least a healthy level, avoid and reduce things that have a negative effect on sleep, such as excessive caffeine, alcohol is notorious for wiping out equality, even smoking can have a significant effect. And pain has been identified as more and more of a factor becoming a sleep stealer. So it's a short-term intervention, even something as simple as Advil nighttime, for example, can help with the pain aspect and the sedation aspect. The solution should never be becoming reliant on medication alone, and none of those things should be taken long-term without medical supervision. As you know, here at Zoomer Radio, we specialize in age-related issues, and we cater to those who are 45-plus. How do our sleep needs change as we get older? Uh, I did a geriatric fellowship in sleep at Stanford going back uh, quite a few years ago. So I actually deal quite a bit with that uh, patient population. Sleep needs don't decrease as we are getting older. The quality of our sleep decreases if we are not paying attention to the various factors that have an effect on it. And whether we sleep it all in one chunk at night that also changes because a lot of individuals, especially over 60, 65, start having snoozing episodes during the day and hence reduce the pressure for sleep at night. 
diet is another factor, not having heavy meals close to bedtime. In women, we have to recognize that once we go through hormonal changes of menopause, then things such as snoring, sleep apnea also become more common. A lot of your audience will have issues with things such as restless legs, which is a creepy, crawly sensation in the legs, or leg twitching in relation to low back pain. Uh, people are taking more medications as they are getting older, so they can have negative effects from some of those medications that have to fa be factored in. Aches and pains become more common, and since we are living longer these days, then we are also seeing more and more sleep disorders. Now, Doctor, uh, just before we say goodbye here, the proper amount of sleep, is it individual or is there a suggested amount, especially as we age, hours per night that we should be sleeping? It can be very much individual as far as being distributed on a bell curve. And for most people, the average required is anywhere between six to eight hours. What we are frequently ignoring, that it's not only the number of hours, but it's very much the quality. And since the depth of sleep and the quality usually goes down as we are getting older, some people can spend 12, 14 hours actually asleep and still wake up feeling like they have run over by a truck. <laughs> but there is also research has shown a direct link between being sleep deprived or oversleeping and longevity. So if, if your problem continues following the change of the clock, for a period of more than a few days, and if it becomes a chronic issue, then you really should be discussing it with your primary physician and see whether additional investigation is indicated, because help is available and it can be very effective. Very interesting speaking with you today. Thank you, Dr. Moscovich. Have a great sleep. Dr. Adam Moscovich is a sleep expert based here in Toronto. It's in you to give. Not just blood, but also organs. In just a moment, I'll be joined by double lung and liver transplant recipient, Reg Parker. He'll tell us about his remarkable story and his new lease on life. I'm Jane Brown for Libby's Nimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. You wouldn't know it by looking at him now, but Reg Parker of Toronto underwent a double lung and liver transplant almost a year ago. At 45, Reg is grateful and motivated to fully recover. He's also spreading the word about the importance of organ and blood donations. Reg is in the studio with me now. Reg, your story is nothing short of miraculous. How are you feeling after almost a year? Uh, I feel good. I feel, uh, you know, I feel like a new man, obviously. Um, I've gone through a lot of ups and downs, especially over the last, you know, two months. But uh, in general, I feel great. But when your organs failed, when they were failing, you were lucky in the sense that there was someone out there who was able to donate their lungs and their liver to you at that exact moment that you needed them. I was super lucky. Uh, originally, when I was uh, talking to the team at Toronto General, you know, and they talked about waiting times, they talked about 18 to 24 months uh, because of the complexity of the two different organs. Um, I basically waited less than 36 hours um, because I was really at the end of my life. And if without the organ transplant, I wouldn't be here today. Um, but there's something in me, obviously, that, uh, you know, is, is not mine. And, and I owe my life to that person. And, you know, I went through a lot of, a lot of time of, 
you know, somebody had to die in order for me to live. And that was a, that was a really guilty thing for me to feel. Um, but then I sort of changed my mindset and really understood that the person that donated the organs, they were dying anyways. And, you know, it was, there's no more of a precious gift than anybody can give than their organs. Well, you know, I feel too, as we age and we no longer feel immortal, I mean, that's just a natural feeling as time goes on. This really is a way to extend your own life through death. That part of you is living in somebody else. It, it really is. Uh, it's, it's such an inspirational concept. It, it's miraculous. It really is fantastic. I mean, to, to be able to save other people's life, I mean, you can save up to eight lives with organ donation. And my donor, from my understanding, donated heart, kidneys, um, eyes. I mean, the person was nothing short of amazing to be able to give that gift of life to other people. And this person simply just registered? Just registered at beadonor.ca. Now, you want to give back in other ways. You Certainly, you've become an advocate for organ donation. But in your months of recovery at Toronto General, you use the physiotherapy equipment at Toronto General. And I understand it's quite dated and needs a lot of upkeep and upgrading. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I remember after being in bed for 13 weeks post my surgery, um, they had to hoist me out of bed and I had to learn to walk again. And I would get on these tall walkers and look at this equipment and go, you want me to walk on that? It, it, it was a real challenge for me, emotionally and physically. So what I've decided to do to give back to Toronto General is to raise money to replace some of this equipment. And on your website, uh, regsstory.ca, all one word, regsstory.ca, there is an opportunity to donate, and it looks as though you're going to meet your goal by the end of the month. Yes, my goal was $25,000 by my anniversary date, and I've just passed $15,000, so I'm getting very close. Yeah, and what what will they be able to do with that $25,000? What the idea is, and I've talked to Toronto General about making sure the funds are directed to the 12th floor treadmill room, which is uh, to replace treadmills and exercise bikes, as well as physiotherapy equipment that they use in the ICU, as well as on the seventh floor recovery. You're also a proud West End Torontonian, and uh, you're trying to encourage uh, neighbors and friends, well, from right across the city, but in in Etobicoke in general, to come out to a special blood donor clinic, because as you say, uh, not only was uh, organ donation um, instrumental in saving your life, but all the blood that you received as well. So, so you're looking to give back to uh, to the blood donor system too. Yes, I am. Um, during my 20 hour surgery to replace my organs, I used 32 units of blood. So that day, 33 people saved my life. One person that gave the organs, and 32 people that gave blood. So on March 31st at four o'clock at Holy Angels Church in Etobicoke. I'm having a blood drive to give back. That is fantastic. March 31st, 4 p.m. The name of the church? The name of the church is Holy Angels. And the easiest way to register for the clinic is to call 1-888-2-DONATE, which is the Canadian Blood Services 1-800 number. And if you quote clinic number T0045, they will register you for my clinic. Okay, one eight 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 two donate and the number is T0045. We will have this information on the Zoomer Week in Review podcast on our website at zoomerradio.ca. Now, part of what I understand keeps you going is that you're a minor hockey coach. These kids, they'll take your mind off your own problems, I bet, right? Absolutely. Um, my Both my sons play uh, for the Humber Valley Sharks, and I've been coaching both teams for 
oh, just over 10 years. And uh, it's really one of the things that has been an inspiration to me to keep going because I really enjoy being behind the bench and coaching these guys. And do you, do you feel that, uh, given the stories that you've heard from doctors <clears throat> at Toronto General uh, through this whole process, that... Um, that your story or your situation is a little more special? I mean, you've already beaten the odds. The fact that we're still talking, we're talking to each other almost a year after this tremendous surgery. Yeah, I think, you know, everybody that goes through organ donation, uh, I mean, they're all heroes in my mind. My surgery was a little bit more complex because of the double lung and liver. And then the recovery, it took me four days to wake up from the recovery. And then, you know, 13 weeks in the ICU. So it was, uh, it was a long haul. Well, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Continued success. And uh, from me and all of the listeners, thank you for what you're doing for organ donation. And I appreciate the time. Thank you very much. There's more information about Reg's incredible story at regsstory.ca. I'm Jane Brown, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. We'll take a quick break and then be back with music from the newly minted septuagenarian Mickey Dolans. Welcome back to the Zoomer Weekend Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Jane Brown. Libby Snymer is away. Time now for the International Arts Datebook. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Bob Comsick. In New York City, Ibsen's Ghosts is the inspiration for a new play by Thomas Kilroy. It was back in 1987, a young Kenneth Branagh starred in a film version of Ghosts. Those gentlemen were able to tell us about places and things of which we'd never dreamed. Are you saying that honourable men... But have you never heard those honourable men when they returned home? Have you never heard them hold forth on the rampancy of immorality in foreign countries? Of course I have. Well, you can take their word for it. Some of them are experts. Ghosts After Ibsen is about the sins of a dead father, which come back to haunt his living children. It's at the Cell Theatre on West 23rd. In the Windy City, the art of puppetry is celebrated at the Art Institute of Chicago. Visitors of all ages are invited to explore the movements of shadow hand and finger puppets. To London, England, where the Academy Award-winning Kevin Spacey reprises his critically acclaimed performance as a pioneering lawyer in Clarence Darrow. Clarence Darrow is at the Old Vic until April 11th. And in Paris, an exhibition explores the rise of still-life painting during the 19th century. American Encounters, the simple pleasures of still life, is at the Louvre. I'm Bob Comsick, and that's the International Arts Datebook. This weekend, Mickey Dolenz from the Monkees is celebrating his 70th birthday. In 1965, Dolenz was cast in a new television show about an imaginary band trying to become the next Beatles. His role was as the band's drummer and lead singer, but at the time, he didn't know how to play the drums at all. He had to take lessons just to be able to mine the proper actions, but he quickly picked up the rest and went on to play everything on his own. It was around the same time that the Monkey switched from being a fictional band on TV to a real-life band that dominated the pop charts. They became an overnight sensation, attracting legions of screaming fans whenever they appeared in public. They had international hits with Pleasant Valley Sunday, Daydream Believer, and A Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You. 
Their television show was canceled in 1968, but the group kept releasing albums into the early 1970s. And like many true Zoomers, they're still at it. At the end of April, they'll be coming to Casino Rama to perform their first Canadian tour date in over a decade. Right now, we'll hear Mickey Dolan's on lead vocals on this Billboard chart topper. Here is I'm a Believer. Love was only true in fairy tales And for someone else but not for me That was the Monkees with I'm a Believer. Drummer and lead singer Mickey Dolenz is celebrating his 70th birthday this weekend. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Jane Brown for Libby Snymer. Please join us next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer Moses Nimer. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program director John Vandrieu. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.